Hypebeast Radio, I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. Back, back, back in the days, my brand staple used to exhibit at a trade show called Capsule that was based in Paris. And our cramped 10 by 10 booth was flanked by another 10 by 10 booth with kind of odd looking shoes at the time with a V on the side. Well, we grew and eventually stopped showing at that small booth and I lost touch with that sneaker brand. And then all of a sudden, seemingly out of the blue, I see this V brand of shoes everywhere. And it's always on the right people, if you know what I mean. Stylish, trend-setting, hip, conscious, eco-friendly, all the right marketing demographics. Chances are you've probably seen it too. If not on people's feet, then at the right retail stores. That clean silhouette and that ever-distinctive V logo on the side. And maybe, sometimes, you wonder how to pronounce the name of this brand. By the way, you pronounce the J. It's not an H. It's not Veja. It's Veja. And while many other brands are now restructuring for a more sustainable approach, Veja was born this way. But their approach is fascinating. It doesn't come from a laboratory through high-tech science. It came from both figuratively and literally the roots of shoemaking. Veja operates on being present and real. The founders have spent years physically venturing out into the Amazon rainforest, not only to find the perfect cotton and rubber, but also to understand how it is sourced, who does the sourcing, and why they do it. They work alongside the Brazilian factory workers to learn about the process from the ground up. Even while this process is not fast nor efficient, we learn that Veja doesn't fall under the pressure to quickly accelerate their business. That's allowed for more considered decisions to be made. Today, with over 180 employees and distributors worldwide, it's quite obvious Veja is doing something right. But success for Veja isn't defined by the amount of money they make or sneakers produced. But more so, they have made it a game to find solutions for today's economic disparity. And for this entrepreneur, the solution was found through one single sneaker. Sebastian Kopp is the co-founder of Veja. And while it may seem like these trainers have suddenly appeared everywhere in recent years, the brand has been carefully crafted since 2004. Alongside his co-founder, Francois Gislain Morillon, the two began Veja with the intent of proving that it was possible to make good product through a transparent system while also balancing the economic scales. And today's episode goes far beyond shoes and fashion. We talk about fair trade, deforestation, economic imbalance, and the parameters of time. My favorite interviews are the ones that go way left from what I was expecting. This week is a prime example of that. So let's get into this week's show, Veja, and how Mr. Cop was able to hack the system. Coming in all the way from Paris, France, I believe, um, before we get too far, if you can tell us who we have in the studio today. 
Yeah, so my name is Sebastian. Um, I am the stepfather of two uh, two guys of uh, 17 and 15 years old, and uh, I have also two sons uh, of um, eight and five. Um, I have a, a wife who I love. And um, yeah, I founded Veja with my best friend in uh, 2004. And the idea was to um, create a sneaker that would be uh, different uh, in the way it is made, in the way um, it is um, created, meaning deconstruct the, the production chain mm -hmm. from A to Z uh, and to reinvent and reimagine the production chain that would respect uh, human beings and environment. Mm. You know what I really love is you're the... First guest in over 75 guests that I've interviewed that when I asked them to introduce themselves, they said first father, then husband, then brand owner. Everyone else just went straight into their Why? brand owner. And I, I think that says a lot about who you are. I don't know. Yeah, because you're who like, I am. Yeah, who you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like, who I am is my business. Uh -huh. And I have these kids and I have a, you know, like I got this other thing going on. But gotcha. you're like, no, I'm a father first, I'm a husband second, and I'm a businessman third. Mm -hmm. That's dope. And I think it says a lot about the type of business that you've founded now. It, it has that same ethos, similar ethos. Um, so my first burning question is the proper pronunciation of the brand. Yeah, it's complicated huh? because uh, <laughs> uh, Veja, it means look in Portuguese. Okay. Uh, it's really the proper translation of look. Um, and we meant um, calling our brand Veja, we meant uh, look beyond the sneakers. Look how it's made. Uh, look who made the sneakers. But uh, the right pronunciation is Veja. Okay. And uh, it's, the, it's a Portuguese word mm -hmm. because uh, Brazil speaks Portuguese and uh, it's the same in French, so we okay. call it Veja. Okay. Do you know most of the world calls it Veja? Yes, I know. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why because I think there's a Spanish, a bit of Spanish. <laughs> like a Jose uh, thing. <laughs> yes, uh, but uh, no, it's Veja. Okay. Um, you said you founded it in 2004? Yes, 2004. Okay. Um, if we could go back a little bit, what were you doing before 2004? Were you in footwear before that? Not at all. Um, the thing is, uh, with my best friend, we studied uh, economics. I was uh, at the university. He was in the business school uh, in, in France. Uh, but we studied also in the U.S. and uh, started working in the U.S. in uh, investment banks. But after uh, less than one year, we understood that was not our path, that... Uh, the money for the money um, didn't get us anywhere. Um, it was uh, in 2002. And we decided to, um, to leave our jobs, our good uh, wages, good salaries, etc., to create an NGO. Because uh, some companies were starting to speak about uh, sustainable development. Mm -hmm. I was working in Washington, D.C., where there is the World Bank, where there is a big um, global and interna international institutions. And uh, so we decided to create an NGO um, and to go to companies, like big French companies, saying, okay, you starting to talk about ecology, you're starting to talk about social development, uh, you have projects all around the world. We don't know if it's true, but uh, what we propose you is uh, you don't pay us, uh, but you... Uh, uh, pay for the travel mm -hmm. uh, and expenses and we go on site on field uh, and we analyze your projects about sustainable development about ecology about social development mm -hmm. about education to so, see if they're actually like to sort of audit them to uh, exactly okay. it was an, an audit and it was um, out of curiosity why wouldn't you charge for that 
because we were 24 years old uh, <laughs> with no experience and it was a new subject uh-huh. and uh, we didn't know if they were uh, no we, we knew they were not willing to pay for right, it okay <laughs> and for us uh, traveling uh, low cost etc was not a problem mm-hmm. and uh, we proposed I think we proposed something uh, very professional but uh, also very interesting for them so they all said yes okay And we ended up uh, three months in China, one month in India, um, one month in South Africa, Vietnam, Mm -hmm. uh, Bolivia, Peru, Brazil. So when you are 24 years old, to... um, to be in a, inside of a three kilometers mine in South Africa to study um, uh, how the workers and the company um, tackle the problem of AIDS, for example, or when you, you end up in a nuclear plant in China, yeah. uh, in the middle of China, um, to see how the villages around cope with uh, the fact that uh, a new nuclear plant is grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, it was uh, kind of crazy. Yeah. It was a kind of crazy travel. Mm-hmm. It was uh, like you end up in uh, the Amazon forest. You, it was really a crazy travel. And you're getting your your travels all paid for, so you're seeing the whole world. Yes, for free. S- yes, for free, and it's more than uh, seeing the world. It's seeing uh, globalization. Yeah. Um, how it's uh, it's turning. Uh, what's the reality behind uh, the nice words of uh, big corporations? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I think it was a uh, one year and a half of uh, uh, crazy learning for yeah. us and crazy traveling and adventures, etc. But um, yes, we are. Uh, we spent, uh, for example, we spent two weeks in a um, in a factory in China, mm-hmm. uh, who was um, uh, doing uh, clothing for um, PPR, which is today Caring, okay. which is one of the biggest group, biggest fashion group uh, in the world. And we saw the, um, I can say, the dark side of globalization. We saw that the the clothing that we were um, wearing every day, uh, we saw how they were made, by who they were made, right. in which conditions they were made, and we realized that. We were 24, we liked fashion, like as uh, the 20s uh, something can uh, love fashion, sneakers, mm-hmm. etc. But um, we said to ourselves, if people could see that, maybe they would buy and they would wear uh, fashion differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really um, something that echoed to uh, a lot of things in our ads. And I think that this week in China, this one week, uh, one, two, week in, in ch- two weeks in China, to audit uh, a big factory of clothing. Yeah. Uh, this was the the origin of Veja. Mm. To uh, right. to uh, understand that um, we wouldn't like to to dress uh, with clothes like this. Did you find more often than not in your travels and working with these brands and corporations that they were mostly honest and truthful about what they were saying, or mostly you were finding fucked up shit? Um. It was, uh, I would say, to for all the projects we saw, it was uh, 70% of greenwashing and 30% of really uh, crazy projects, really great projects. Great. Okay, so 70% yeah. greenwashing, by that you mean like, like BS-ish. Um, greenwashing, <laughs> greenwashing, it's for me the difference of reality and communication, uh, meaning you communicate nice words, nice sentences, nice uh, things. Mm-hmm. And then the reality doesn't doesn't fit. Match, right. Okay. Doesn't match. Okay. Seventy uh, thirty is not as bad as I thought it would be, to be honest. 
uh, we thought it was bad. <laughs> we thought uh, it was. Uh, I thought everyone's lying. <laughs> uh, kind of, uh, kind of uh, tough. Yeah. Um, because there were big corporations and big, uh, big companies. But it was in 2002. So instead of uh, being angry against the world, because there is no bad boys and good boys, there is no bad girls and good girls. You know, uh, there is a, a system mm -hmm. uh, that uh, everybody is uh, is uh, trying to uh, to follow. Yeah. Um, but we said we had the chance to um, to make uh, studies. Uh, we had the chance that uh, our parents paid for our studies. Uh, we worked during our studies, but it was okay. We we come from uh, from families that are that have money. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, we had the, this chance in life. So um, if we can try to do something different. Why don't we take this risk mm -hmm. to to create really something different uh, at our really humble uh, level? Yeah, uh, meaning uh, five thousand dollars each. Uh, we um, we decided to to uh, to create Veja because uh, we said let's try to reinvent a product, uh, to reconstruct a product mm -hmm. from A to Z. Yeah, uh, but that was more I, I would say a student project than a company. It was more an adventure than a company. Right. Like, it, let's experiment and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And the original investment was 10K? Yes. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> but uh, we're accustomed to travel to kind of rough travels. Uh, like, you, you don't take the plane, you take the bus, you, you, live, in a, you live in a, a $1 um, a night uh, hotels. Uh -huh. uh, hostels. Uh, hostels, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so we came back from um, this, uh, this crazy travel uh, that we did, uh, the NGO, and we started working on creating a new breed of sneaker. Okay. Why did you pick footwear? Why did you pick shoes over clothes or anything else? Because um, I think we liked shoes, mm -hmm. and uh, I think we had a taste for shoes um, mm -hmm. more than for clothing. Okay. Because we dress up very, uh, I would say, very... Uh, Usual, like we like uh, military clothing, we <laughs> like uh, non-logo uh, uh, clothing, right. but shoes, uh, I think we had uh, something, we had a special taste for shoes right. uh, and for sneakers. And um, also for us, it was so a product we love. I think it's the first, uh, if you do something you love or if you try to reinvent something you love, maybe you better yeah. uh, than uh, some like a, ch a business choice, I would say. For sure. And then we also uh, we also choose uh, sneakers because um, uh, it's uh, for us it's a symbol. Uh, we all know what uh, what problems uh, Nike, Adidas, etc. had uh, in uh, the working conditions of right. the workers. Uh, we all know that uh, they don't uh, care too much about how the products are made. Uh, they care about, uh, of course, the product itself, but. Uh, where does come from the the plastic uh, where comes from the the mesh or the eva in the sole mm -hmm. it's a bit uh, blurry so do you firmly believe that or is it speculative i'm wondering i don't honestly like talk too much about the others you know yeah uh, i but you know I, like if you had a nike guy in here he yes. would be able to be like oh no we have they're treated wonder what are you talking about everything is great over there and i, I would i would ask him have you been in the factory? <laughs> right, like like you have, like you went, <laughs> like we are every day uh, in the factory. We have a team of thirty people in Brazil, and uh, we have three, four people from Veja every day in every factory we work with. So that's for us. That's not a question. Right, we have to be there. Right, 
you have to to be on field yeah because uh what you what you do um it has to be checked mm -hmm. as to you have to know uh and uh, it's i think really one of the big difference of veja with uh other companies yeah. it's not a report that you read on an email no, it's like it's yeah. like uh, it's physical presence on field and um we started the company like this we started the brand like this so we started we wanted to make a, a canvas uh, trainer okay very simple because that's the style we like to, mm -hmm. to wear and uh we ask ourselves what is canvas Uh, so canvas, you know, like converse are made of out of canvas. Yeah. Canvas, it's like the the fabric uh, of the upper, mm -hmm. and uh, canvas, it's cotton. So cotton, uh, it's two uh, percent of the lands uh, of agriculture uh, today, mm -hmm. but it's thirty percent of the pesticides used in agriculture. So mm. doing, um, trying to uh, to work with organic cotton, yeah. meaning without pesticides. Mm -hmm without chemicals put uh, for to grow the cotton uh, was uh, natural was uh, an easy choice yeah so what we did and we were we were kind of innocent mm -hmm. huh? because we we wanted to uh, reconstruct the the sneakers so right. what we did is naive. let's find yeah. naive completely naive uh, let's find um, organic cotton producers so let's go on field to meet the guys and to buy them the cotton uh -huh. So we spent, um, I would say, four, four, five months to visit, uh, visit visiting uh, cooperatives in Brazil of uh, small cooperatives of agricultures, and uh, we visited five, six, and we found one uh, with only 30 agricultures um, that they didn't sell, they haven't sold anything for five years mm -hmm. uh, or six years, but they were growing a perfect organic cotton. There were um, more uh, than organic cotton. It was agroecological cotton, but it's a bit complicated, a bit technical. So it was really the best organic cotton you can beyond find. Beyond organic. Beyond organic, yeah, exactly. Because organic, it's like without pesticides, but they um, they grow cotton like uh, one row of cotton, one row of beans, one row of um, of uh, sesame seeds, one row of corn, and this enrich the soil to have a multiplicity of cultures. You have a soil after one year that is richer than when you started. Mm -hmm. So that's the concept of agroecology. You know, if you do 2,000 acres of organic oh, cotton, yeah. Kills the, the land is uh, damaged because cotton, even if it's organic, no pesticides, it dries the land. Uh -huh. yeah. So if you vary the culture, then you enrich the land. Right. So it's But a bit they're technical. Doing it, they're doing it out of necessity, not because it's like the cool, hip thing to do. <laughs> that's the, um, the question we asked. Why do you do that? Okay. And they all answer... It's a kind of crazy answer. They say, before we do organic cotton, we had a stomach achy that can turn into cancer. Like some guys, 30 years old, they got cancer, What? like a stomach cancer, because they were uh, feeding themselves with the beans or with uh, uh, the corn that they were cultivating. Mm -hmm. And the pesticides went to the corn, went, the pesticides used for organic, uh, for, right. no, pesticides used for cotton, mm -hmm. they went to corn, they went to, uh, the beans, to beans, yeah. and they were eating this. So growing organic for them was uh, a question of health. Yeah, it's like first, life or death. Yeah, First. Right. Uh, and then uh, it was a question of economics, but like selling a, a cotton that they can sell Um, more expensive, mm -hmm. but they didn't succeed in selling because no one was interested. Yeah. So, so you were, we're saying right they there. weren't selling anything really for no, years. No, because um, 
it's the uh, con the concept of fair trade. You work with the most disadvantaged agricultures. Mm -hmm. So you don't work with a huge a guy with a huge land, uh, uh, but with um, family agriculture, they own oh. one acre, two acres, three acres of land, and uh, you buy uh, their production um, to a different price, meaning uh, you valorize mm -hmm. uh, their work. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we, uh, so we, we, said, we sit down with them and we decided to, uh, after studying the cost of uh, the production, we, um, we bought, the first contract was buying uh, two times more uh the organic cotton they were making and then you pre-finance the the um, the crop uh, so you give them 40 percent before production etc mm -hmm. etc et wow um, so that's that's what fair trade means exactly i had no idea that fair trade meant that. like you see trade? it and you're just like i guess that's good for someone yeah like you don't really yeah, know. but you don't know and yeah. uh, and it's uh, and it's normal uh, right before i didn't know uh so uh, i got interested in, in in that by being on field by yeah. seeing the people mm -hmm. by conversing to the people and uh and fair trade uh uh can sound i think a bit bullshit because uh the labels uh mm -hmm. how is it labelized etc but um for us as we are present on field as we buy us directly the cotton then we make the thread then we make the weaving uh, that becomes canvas then we send the canvas to the sh to the shoe factory in southern brazil uh you can call it fair trade it's fair trade but uh for us it's uh economic justice more than anything right and so this is for the cotton yeah we did the same for the rubber okay. for the sole so we went in the amazon forest to buy uh directly to the rubber typers uh the rubber uh-huh uh, that's you know the rubber it's the blood of the tree of the hevea tree mm -hmm. uh, so there's a rubber tree exactly and it's, it's the called sap hevea exactly okay yeah the sap i say okay. the blood it's yeah. not uh, <laughs> it's okay but uh, i think everybody understands and um, but a lot of people don't know that the rubber from your sneakers comes out of a tree <laughs> uh yeah that's the rubber of the veja sneakers of other sneakers usually it's plastic oh. it's uh um, they call it um, uh, uh, synthetical rubber. Yeah, synthetic. Yeah. And synthetical rubber, it's plastic petroleum. Mm -hmm. But we, what we wanted to do with Veja is to replace, I would say, uh, chemical uh, materials, mm -hmm. chemical raw materials by natural raw materials. That was the really the aim in 2004 mm -hmm. uh, to um, really reinvent the sneakers like this, to replace by more ecological elements mm -hmm. so uh, you said naive and i think it's a good word so we went in the amazon forest we met the robot typers it was crazy because amazon forest you know it's like the far west yeah uh, no police no uh, laws no rules yeah. etc so uh, it was a kind of um, adventure <laughs> adventure <laughs> sleeping in hammocks uh, um, uh, discovering the amazon forest through the eyes of the guys that were that are living there etc and at the beginning, the guys, they saw us coming and said, you're French, you speak half Portuguese, uh, you understand, but you speak half Portuguese. What's, what are you here for? We don't understand. Mm -hmm. And so trust came after six months, one year, mm -hmm. two years, three years of saying, yes, we buy, uh, we pay you well, uh, we valorize your work, etc. But it didn't come like this it didn't yeah. come there was uh, mistrust at first of course yeah like uh, you come here and what are you do you want yeah. uh, from us you so know? you'd have to go back and keep meeting them oh yes times. we went uh, one one uh, once a month 
So we were almost living in Brazil at the mm-hmm. beginning of Veja. And we went, and it was really difficult in Amazonia. That was the most difficult um, because uh, no internet, no telephone, no uh, communication. So yeah. you have to go there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but there was also, you know, um, a kind of loneliness that was uh, that was really good because uh, you were not in New York, you were not in Paris, in the crazy uh, yeah. fashion industry that you know. And uh, sometimes we spend one month uh, only speaking uh, Portuguese with no communication with uh, with uh, the outside world, yeah. I would say. And I think it gave us, um, not strength, but it gave us uh, uh, serenity and, to, peace. To, <laughs> and peace, yeah. And to do things step by step, to uh, advance uh, one step at a time, etc., right. which is something that we, I think we lost. Uh, today I've, I've, uh, I arrived in New York on Tuesday and really my days are crazy yeah. uh, I met so Came many Munich, uh, interesting yeah. people uh, so many things to do so many meetings etc and if you don't cut off uh, I think you can uh, you can be taken by the wave and yeah. uh, not making the good decisions etc so I think for the beginning it was really good to have this um, this Brazil um, Brazilian window where we went, went there, so spent time in the forest, spent time on the organic cotton field, spent time, spent a lot of time inside the factory mm-hmm. to learn how you make sneakers because we didn't know shit about uh, how you make sneakers. Yeah. And um, out of curiosity, was Brazil the only place you could have done this? We liked Brazil for many reasons, um, like really uh, pragmatic reasons. Was it was the only place in the world that has organic cotton, uh, wild rubber and factories that respect workers with right. high you know high lo- high social laws mm-hmm. um they work uh, 40 hours a week uh they have their weekends uh the salary is not crazy but it's good yeah. uh, they live in uh, in uh, nice houses outside of the factory uh it's um i think it's not comparable to asia where a lot of times uh, the factories are uh, the guys they work um, seventy to eighty hours a week. They live uh, at the factory. They live near uh, or inside the factory yeah. or near the factory, but in in uh, buildings that uh, are not really nice. Mm-hmm. For maybe uh, uh, at the time it was maybe sixty dollars per month. Today it's more. I would say two hundred, three hundred dollars per month. Mm-hmm. But working, uh, having one day rest uh, per week, etc. Yeah. So Brazil is um, a step further is more uh, i think more comparable to europe mm-hmm. uh, um, when you talk about the workers yeah. in the factory and um and also brazil we like brazil because it's a bit like like, like the us it's uh, once you speak portuguese you're brazilian mm. <laughs> uh it's the same kind of mentality yeah. uh, it's like america right it's, uh, south america but uh, it's like uh, if you um if you embrace the language, mm-hmm. uh, if you make effort to speak, um, nobody judges you. Mm-hmm. Nobody, uh, nobody uh, stares at you. Like the old Euro- Europe is different. Right. The old Europe where I come from is a bit different. Like a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, cliches, a lot of stereotypes, right. etc. Yep. Oh, uh, you're German. The, your friends like yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what we loved about about Brazil, Brazil yeah. is the it's language. All one thing, yeah. Like to learn the language is feasible. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like you learn Chinese. It takes uh, some years. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also like 47 different versions of 
Chinese. Like. Yes. <laughs> and uh, even if you speak Chinese, you're never Chinese. Uh -huh. uh, yep. So uh, it was a, a country that we, uh, that we knew, that mm. we loved. Um, the people there are amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, the life there is amazing. So many reasons for Brazil. Right. Um, Did you ever think along the way as you're researching these fair trade farmers and like, you know, wild rubber makers, did you ever think that this is not actually possible? Like we actually possibly might not be able to make a product that's sellable, that's economical through these means, which is why we're the only idiots out here in the Amazon jungle trying to figure this shit out. Did that ever maybe cross your mind or you're just like, no, we're doing this? Every day, every hour. <laughs> every hour you were yeah. questioning it. Uh, questioning, <laughs> no, maybe the question, you ask yourself the question is, uh, what am I doing here? Uh, it's not possible, but let's try, let's try, let's try, <laughs> let's try. Also, I think it's a question of pleasure, of pleasure, of being there, mm -hmm. of, of uh, meeting and uh, learning to know yeah. uh, another kind of reality. Mm -hmm. So the pleasure of traveling, uh, the the pleasure of harsh traveling also. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the pleasure of the process. And the Whether it's going good or bad. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's uh, really, for me, a question of pleasure. Okay. Even if you fail, you come back another person, mm -hmm. uh, like another person. So I think it's... Uh, and today, again, uh, we, we have projects and everybody says it's impossible. And um, But maybe when someone says to you it's impossible... Um, for me, that's a test. That's uh, it Let's makes see. me want <laughs> even more to uh, yeah. to do it. So yes, uh, every every of our friends uh, were mocking us. Uh, our parents, our um, girlfriends, everybody was uh, was saying, "But what are you doing? Mm -hmm. uh, you crazy!" And even to launch a, a new sneaker brand is impossible. Yeah, uh, we Just, talked about yeah, it before. Right. Uh, to have Nike, Adidas, Puma, etc. Against you, there are there are huge uh, uh, successes. They have huge history. They totally. are they have a um, crazy product. So, what what are you doing? <laughs> You're wasting your time. I could, they were probably thinking you went mad. No, no, no. We're not mad. We are, we're we're uh, really um, <laughs> trying. And uh, we said to ourselves, let's try one year. Uh -huh. uh, let's try two years, <laughs> and then you know it's like everything when you. When you start doing, you're taken by the, the energy. Mm -hmm. you, uh, it's the because you are doing it that you go further. Yeah, yeah. If you think too much about it, if you uh, think too much um, about the decision you can make or you cannot make, then it stops you. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't even start. You don't yeah. even start. You're exactly. Paralyzed. <laughs> exactly. So um, we knew that by doing, by... Um, uh, it's like you're at the edge of a cliff uh, and you look at the water and you... You don't know if you're gonna dive or not. Every time we dived, every time we dived, not like because we knew how to swim, uh -huh. because we knew uh, it was uh, it was okay to dive there. Yeah. But uh, don't ask yourself too much the question because uh, for us that's a pleasure to to live. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, even the failures are, and we had a lot of failures uh, along the way. Yeah. You guys have probably all heard it by now. The importance of transparency, sustainability, ethical factories, and everything else a brand has to be today. Now, in 2020, it's become an issue that fashion can no longer ignore. While many brands are attempting to shift their models in a more eco-friendly approach, 
Veja has been doing this since day one. Now, remember our episode with Allbirds and the CEO, Tim Brown? He told us that he designed the shoe before the idea of sustainability came to mind. Now, Veja's model is completely the opposite. Both effective, but what's interesting to me is that they attack the problem with very different approaches. Before Sebastian and Francois even began making shoes, they had spent time in the field discovering the harsh realities behind modern globalization. And it was only after seeing the disparity of what he said was 70% greenwashing that the two decided to start their business venture. Most entrepreneurs in fashion will tell you that they started their brand from a simple idea of a product. The purpose or mission statement comes after. And after many years of meeting entrepreneurs, it comes as no surprise that most of these people will come to a crossroads of questioning the identity of the brand. What's the purpose? Why am I doing this? Does the world need another blank brand? One thing I noticed with Sebastian was that in creating Veja, there was always an intent, a purpose, and a mission. Those actually came first. Everything else followed after that, from exploring the Amazon to find the right cotton and rubber, to sleeping in hammocks in the jungle, to working alongside the factory workers and taking their two-hour commute with no internet or cell service. All of this was never about being within the parameters of the shoe, but more so creating a shoe within the parameters of the mission. So the next time we want to create something, maybe we should be asking ourselves not what we want to make, but what problem in the world we want to solve and what can be made within those guidelines. How long did it take for you to finally get a completed shoe in your hand? Um, it took us, we started in March and I came back in September. Uh, I spent uh, July and August 2004 inside a Brazilian factory mm -hmm. um, making the guys crazy because they never saw uh, one guy come in uh, yeah. with a new brand. And uh, so I was with the modelist of the factory, you know, the uh, let's say the studio of the factory the guys that design, etc., that, yeah. that makes the product. Yeah. Um, I spent two months in a row with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so we became friends. Uh, I was speaking barely Portuguese. Really, I, I understood, but I, I didn't speak uh, that well. Yeah. And that's by going there, by uh, being with them, by uh, uh, boring them every day with my questions and my uh, naive and innocent and undergraduated uh, sneaker uh, student, mm -hmm. Uh, so, but they liked it, and I was inside the factory with the workers, chatting with the workers, uh, smoking a cigarette with the workers uh, at uh, after lunch, and uh, they were also the workers were teaching me, and they said, "But you are the you are the boss of a brand, uh, but no boss coming here." Yeah. Uh, and nobody comes here smoking to, with uh, us after lunch. No, like even chatting with us, even uh, going in the lines of the factory with us uh, to uh, observe and uh, see how we do it, etc. But that was our school. That was mm -hmm. uh, our uh, university yeah. of uh, of sneaker, like the field, and um, and that was a uh, yeah, kind of a, a crazy time, really uh, tiring. Uh, I remember I was taking the the bus to go back uh, to uh, to my small hotel uh, after a day in the factory. And um, 
and uh, all the workers they had uh, they had uh, motos they had they mm -hmm. had uh, cars and they were horning uh, me after uh, after a long day of work at seven o'clock eight o'clock and the bus was not coming and I was waiting for one hour two hour you know it's Brazil one hour two hours for the bus etc. They were all leaving and they were all leaving saying yeah, yeah, yeah. ciao Sebastian. <laughs> uh, have a good day, have a good night, and uh, a bit mocking me, but uh -huh. uh, that was really nice. And um, and you know, I think it was a, a great time. Wow! I was reading. <laughs> I was I, I was I had a one hour and a half of uh, bus to go, one hour and a half of bus to oh my god to to go back, and I was sleeping all the way uh, because I was exhausted. But that was a, a really nice time uh, of my life on wow. my own. Yeah. You know, you are uh, you are. Uh, um, alone, <laughs> alone, and and uh, what you're doing is uh, creating what you will be. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a good time, I think. So when you got, so you said March, you started, and then September. September. So we went. Uh, we were invited to a show called the Who's Next in France, mm -hmm. in Paris. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest show in uh, in 2004, and uh, we presented the shoes and the project. And uh, I think the first day of the show, like really uh really uh the best uh sneaker stores of paris yeah. and of europe were ordering the shoe because they liked it okay they liked the design they thought we were funny uh, -huh. uh because completely out of uh, fashion we didn't know how to make an order form we didn't know how to calculate margins we didn't know really we learned uh, this day mm -hmm. uh, how the industry works and uh and I think they, they found it very funny, but the sneaker was cool. Mm -hmm. And they said, but are you going to deliver? You work in Brazil, no, 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 it's complicated. Nah. Yeah. And, you, and we said, yeah, yeah. We gather orders. We, um, we, uh, produce, we're going to produce 5,000 pairs, mm -hmm. but we didn't know how, much, how many pairs a store can order. You know, yeah. we, we were learning, we were pretending to know to the store, but we didn't know anything. Right. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, the department store came the first day like Bon Marché, which is one of the best in Paris, mm -hmm. uh, Selfridges, one of the best in London. And they came and said, yeah, yeah, uh, your sneakers, your trainers are, are really nice. Uh, can we order 40 pairs, 50 pairs, 100 pairs, etc." Mm -hmm. So we were um, filling the order forms. And, um, and so, yes, after one week, uh, we complete the 5,000 pairs that uh, was our objective to wow. start the first production. But for us, it was like uh, normal. You know, we didn't know that uh -huh. it was uh, for a brand really hard to get in a yeah. department store. Really, like maybe after years and years and years, it's complicated to enter a, a department store. Right. But for, for us, as we didn't know. You didn't know. We didn't realize. We realized maybe six months later when uh, everybody was saying, but your first season, you're in department store. Mm -hmm. How did we do? How did you do, etc. And we said, oh, but uh, it's normal now. Every brand, they, they give the chance to every brand. And they say, and people no. say, no, <laughs> not really. Right. Um, and then it was the time the it was there was there was no uh, online shops mm -hmm. at that time uh, or very few and a very uh, rare, so it was a lot of independent retailers, yeah. a lot of um, stores like Colette, like uh, mm -hmm. uh, Zoom in Paris, like uh, great uh, sneaker stores uh, around the world. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're not in the game, you know. We're mm -hmm. complete outsiders. Um, we weren't not making a advertising etc we're focused on brazil only the two of us then we took an intern etc etc but then we delivered uh, so the first season maybe we had 50 clients 50 stores uh -huh. that bought veja to uh, to sell them and uh, after one week everything was gone wow 
And so they call us and they say, can we reorder? Can mm. we have more? And we say, no, you have to wait six months because the next production is in six months. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, but like, uh, why? Uh, we said, but because uh, we have to... Uh, to uh, give them uh, I have to go back to the Amazon the organic like, canvas the, yeah. etc yeah. so the um, I, I would say the takeoff was very slow mm -hmm. but also when you walk slow you avoid uh, to make mistakes you avoid obstacles yeah. we say no to a lot of stores uh, we um, learned to be selective also mm -hmm. to work with the best partners mm -hmm. uh, to select the stores we want to work with yeah um, not to go with the monsters like Foot Locker mm -hmm. or, you know, a big uh, sneaker chain because we didn't have the volume. Right. Um, and uh, and so Veja, Veja took off like this. Mm -hmm. uh, but really, step by step, uh, we doubled the production every season, uh, double on plus 50% every season. Uh, it was uh, only uh, loans, only bank loans and uh, no investor. Yeah. Uh, we didn't want any investor. Uh, because we wanted to be free mm -hmm. uh, to do uh, as we felt and uh, and that's uh, like this since day one and still uh, we have no investor in the brand we don't we refuse uh, uh, any funds or any private investing etc because uh, I think we did Veja for our freedom first right uh, and uh, I, I I don't think I can handle um, to have investors on board uh, one day yeah <laughs> that's a good place to be in I don't know, but that's our choice. Mm -hmm. Maybe it could be uh, Veja could be much bigger, but uh, we don't care. We're very happy with uh, what what we're doing the, at the at the rhythm that we're doing it and at, at the scale we uh, we uh, we are uh, today. Mm -hmm. And you know, we started with uh, we were 25 years old, and today, 15 years later, we have uh, the team is almost 200 people. I think. Wow. I think you got crazy if you are 25 or 27 or 28 years old and you have a team of 200 people. You know, you have to learn how to uh, behave with a team. You have to yeah. learn how to motivate a team. You have to learn uh, that uh, when, you, when you are um, a founder, you give 100, you receive one. And that is normal. <laughs> that it's, uh, that uh, they have their own life, that uh, yeah. the, the team, each member of the team, have their own interest, life, uh, projects, mm -hmm. etc., and that's uh, and that uh, working together is um, uh, a moment. It doesn't last forever. Right. It's not their whole life. No, yeah. of course not. And uh, it's your whole life, though. It's, so you got yeah. Veja is that. our yeah. life, but uh, and we try to share it. And we don't have a, a lot of people um, leaving the company, but they're growing with us. And that's maybe the most satisfying part to um, to have people that have been uh, 10 years with us, 11 years with us, 12 years with us. And they, we started like kids and now they have, uh, they have kids yeah. uh, on their own. They are 35 years old, 37 years old, 34 years old. And they started 10 years ago. And um, that's maybe what touches me most to see uh, people um, grow up, people uh, elevate themselves to a, a level that they wouldn't imagine. Uh, and that's uh, what I like the most uh, in Veja uh, yeah. today, to to be on the long run. Right. Going back to that original Who's Next show, is that what it was? Yes. How many styles were you showing? One. One, seven <laughs> colors. Really? Yes. And it lasts three, no, two years with uh, one, one style, style, seven colors. Then a second style came in 2007, then the third one in 2009. It took three years for you to yeah. bring in your second style. Who yeah. was the designer? Me. Okay. Are you a 
footwear designer? No. (laughs) (laughs) And by design, that means you're actually sitting with the factory guys sort of molding it together, right? Exactly. And that's what we still do today. Really? We have a design team today. Okay. But um, I know what I want. Uh, They know what they want. We are still slow, uh, (laughs) meaning that we launch one or two styles every year. Yeah. But we have been working on it for one year or two years. Uh, like the big companies, they, they launch a hundred styles every every year and even more, maybe. Yeah, more. We think uh, it's nice to uh, to um, evolve, but not too fast. Mm-hmm. For us, for the for the clients, for the people, etc. I think uh, um, sneakers is very different than clothing. Um, I think once you have a good sneaker, it can last ten years. It mm-hmm. can last. 30 years, it can last 50 years. And you can see it with the big brands. They launch in lots of new things, but almost all the best sellers have been around for 30 years. Yes. Like uh, uh, Stan Smith uh, or Air Force. The people that are listening to us, they know better (laughs) sneakers than I do. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, like the the Stan Smith, the classics. You're creating uh, classics. Yeah. So, uh, when you have a classic, when you have a. a sneaker that is uh, that can go through ages. You don't need to uh, launch uh, ten in uh, mm-hmm. in one month. Yeah, uh, you can launch one uh, every year, and it's okay. And so the company evolves. Et how many styles now? Twelve. Twelve in fifteen years. Or no, so. no, because some stopped, uh, some are new, etc. But uh, yes, right we're kind of 12. slow. Wow. <laughs> how do you balance that with the speed of the world? Right, like so, it's it's noble that you're saying we're going to take it slow. We're not going to introduce new styles, you know. But everything goes up, like inflation. People want more money. Rents go up. Cost of I don't know if you've been hit in Brazil with like has your factories increased their prices too? Uh, of course. Yeah. So how do you, don't don't you feel the pressure like every other company in the world to be like more, 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 faster, faster, faster? How do you hit the brakes? We don't hit the brakes. We don't accelerate too much that's mm, our okay, okay. Uh, that's our way okay. we have um, a good pace mm-hmm. which is already a crazy rhythm because we started <laughs> from nothing yeah um uh, of uh, we started from like almost zero and um a lot of people said yeah uh, since two years or three years or five years we see veja etc but we have been growing a hundred percent every year for 15 years now so, literally a hundred percent yes so there is one one so 100% is a lot yeah. uh, as a company and, and as a a team and as a uh it creates a lot of tensions it creates a lot of rhythm etc um so i could i could lose my humanity if uh, we grow faster because what i want is a a team we, who works in harmony mm-hmm. uh, with uh, i was uh, i was with uh, the american team of veja this morning and they are we we launching the US now, and uh, they are um, all kind of new in the company, and uh, that was my first message. If you're happy working, if you're happy every day uh, coming to work, if you take pleasure, then it's going to be a success. Uh, if if you uh, if you speak uh, bad to one another, mm-hmm. uh, if uh, there is politics involved, if uh, you're here uh, for the wrong reasons. It's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. Veja is not gonna work. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's uh, that's how we uh, that's how we see uh, we see a company. 
Uh, and sometimes I go into the company and I feel there is a, an atmosphere that is a bit heavy, etc. Yeah. And uh, that's why we created Veja because we wanted to create the company we would like to work for. Mm -hmm. And we, um, as we create sneakers, we only create sneakers we would like to wear. Yeah. Us. And it's a bit egoistic, <laughs> I uh, I assume. But uh, um, it's for working. us, it's very important. We are the first client of Veja. Right. We are the first with uh, Francois, my, my partner, we are the first employee of Veja. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think that's, uh, that's, that is, this thing is helping us a lot yeah. to, uh, to grow, to uh, manage people, to uh, take the right decisions, to let them take decisions also. Right. Uh, How many employees do you have now, globally? I think we are 180, 190. And how are they spread out? Um, we are uh, 120 in Paris. Uh, we are um, uh, seven in the US. Uh, we are 30 in Brazil. Wow. That seems like so many people. Yes. Like when I think about the, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think about overhead. And then I think about you're still making, is everything still made in Brazil? Yes, everything. Yeah. I, it just... It doesn't feel like it adds up. I'm not. I'm not like Why? sort of accusing, but I just feel like where does this? Like, okay, here's my analogy. If you have a car, you have to put gas in the car to make it run, right? Uh -huh. With a, with 200 employees globally, uh -huh. you need a lot of gas in that car to make it go. And I just feel like, can you produce enough gas from those shoe factories in Brazil? Keep it fair trade. Keep it organic cotton. Keep it agriculturally sound. Like. It's amazing. It's it's unbelievable because if you figured it out, why isn't Nike and Adidas and Puma doing it? Because it was another era. They created Nike and Adidas in the, Adidas was I think in the 40s or the 50s. Mm -hmm. uh, Nike was in the 70s. Uh, it was 50 years ago. It was uh, the world was very different. Yeah. And also, you say um, your analogy with a, a car mm -hmm. and the gas. Your analogy is a picture of today, but. It took us 15 years, uh, and if you divide by 15 years, it's 10 new uh, people per year. So uh, it didn't happen like this, but right, right. Um, I think time is maybe the parameter that um, we forgot today, that uh, everybody wants to have a big company uh, in uh, one year, two years. Yeah, it does happen. And it does happen, <laughs> but when it does happen... I'm always thinking to the uh, human costs. Uh, it's not a nice word, but to, to the the tough uh, mm -hmm. human relationship to set up a team of 200 people in one year. It's almost impossible. That, uh, that and it's done completely correctly well, and ethically. Exactly. Yeah. Because uh, today, a lot of people say like, you, 200 people, but it's a lot, etc. But when your um, first line of um, lieutenants, of managers, have been in the company for... 10 years, 7 years, 5 years, it's easy, flu uh, really uh, fluent, yeah. really uh, because um, everybody transmits to everybody mm -hmm. and uh, we have a 200% trust in the people uh, we work with. Uh, they trust us. Uh, we have faced a lot of difficulties, a lot of bad waves, a lot of uh, problems and uh, we solve it together. So we solved it in the past together. In the 15 years Veja has been around, Sebastian tells us they have grown 100% each and every year. This was all done with no investors, 
only 12 styles, and no proper knowledge of how the fashion industry works. Just simply looking at the facts, all of this is astounding. Sebastian has created an eco-friendly sneaker brand that has outgrown itself each and every year, all while maintaining full and total control. No messy investments, no big egos along the way. And much of their success is owed to the slow grind, a mentality that my previous guest, Maison Kitsune, reminded us is the secret to their success. For Veja, even after selling out their first season and getting a second order request, they were upfront and honest about the realistic six-month timeline it would take to reproduce that batch. They were never in a rush to appease their distributors and sacrifice the quality and mission of their business. Sebastian tells us that while the takeoff was slow, if you're able to grow your business slowly, you can avoid mistakes, learn to say no, and be selective. The most important strategy that Sebastian figured out was finding the right pace for his business without any pressure from the outside world. There was never a rush to grow Veja to replace another sneaker brand or become on par with the big players, but more so, building Veja to become an independent company that stood on its own. And Sebastian says himself, time is the parameter that we all forget today. His choices are not simply made out for a quick profit. They're made in conjunction with how it will affect his employees, the ecosystem, and the overall human relationship. In those 15 years, was there ever a point where it, it almost didn't make it? Where was it, like, when it, was it bad? It was in um, 2012. I think we were 25, uh, uh, 25 30 people um, in Veja. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the um, counter effect of the subprime crisis in 2008, uh -huh. plus the rise of um, big online shops. Yeah. Because we wanted to work only with independent people. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to work with online shops. Okay. Uh, we had our online shop, which was small mm -hmm. at the time. And, um, but we wanted to, uh, to work only with the best retailers. Right. And it sounded like it was important that you knew personally the retailers. Exactly. Like, same way you knew personally the factories. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of retailers in 2011, 12, 13 were um, in uh, very big difficulties Mm -hmm. uh, because of the crisis combined to the rise of internet, uh, big yeah. internet shops. Yeah. And fast and those fashion. those two factors. Too, like, and fast fashion, yeah, of course. Grow, yeah. And chain stores. So all those factors, when you are an independent uh, store, um, we lost, I think, uh, I would say 20% of our clients went bankrupt in six months. Uh, wow. in, in England, in uh, France, in Germany, um, we didn't. We were not really in the U.S. at that time, but um, yeah, we were. Um, the turnover of Veja was seven million at the time, and we had two millions out. Wow! In one in six months. Yeah, in six months. So our bankers they said, "Guys, you're dead. Uh, you're not gonna make it." And I said, "Guys, calm down. We come from nowhere. You leave us six months, and then in six months you cu you cut the rope." Uh, but you leave us six months and you'll see in six months we'll turn back into where we were and uh, even better. Mm -hmm. And uh, in six months, we did a lot. We uh, changed the company. We called uh, some online shops that were requesting Veja like crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and it's true that we discovered another uh, part of the business like 
clients like Netaborte, clients like uh, um, Zalando in mm -hmm. Europe. And we realized that we missed a wave, that we missed a train. Yeah, the uh, internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were kind of geeks, but we didn't want to work with them because we thought they were not respecting the prices, not respecting the brands, etc. And we found the opposite. We found that the business was of sneakers, huh? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm talking about only sneakers, was switching really fastly uh, towards them. Yeah. And um, today, I think they are our biggest clients, wholesale clients, mm -hmm. I mean. And um, in six months, six months later, the bankers, they were all stand up, they were all clapping their hands and saying, we never saw that, With we were 100% sure you You're were dead. dead. And uh, now the business is rolling like crazy. So what did you do? And we say, we don't, we don't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of want to know too, because even though I've known the, about the brand for over 10 years, something, some switch seemed to have turned on in the past few years. And maybe it's just because you said at one point it wasn't really in America, but now you turned on America at some point because now you can't walk through Soho, Midtown without seeing like, 10, 12 people on a typical subway wearing Veja. Yeah, because it was, happened? It, it was like this first in France because okay. it was the easiest for us. Yeah. So this was in 2007, 2009. Veja was a big success in France. Mm -hmm. um, then in England, uh, in I would say 2012, 13. Okay. And then we started to, um, to uh, you know, we, we, want, we didn't want to grow fast. So all the American clients, we said no. Uh, during until 2014-15. Even stores, even yeah, individual yeah. stores? Almost everybody. Why? Because we didn't have the production. Oh, and okay. we didn't want oh, to grow uh, that fast. Okay, you know? got it. Uh, we really started the US in 2015 Okay. Um, to, um, to give a part of the production to uh, the, US the US market. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when Veja uh, really started in the US. Before, we had two, three clients like Fred Siegel, like, uh, you know, but like uh, yeah. really, uh, yeah, three clients we had in the US. We said <laughs> yes to three clients. But in 2015, we said, okay, we're going to give a share of the production to uh, the US market. And that's when it started, mm -hmm. really. But the good thing is I'm seeing them on people's feet. I'm not seeing them in stores on sale, <laughs> which is a big, like I, I deliberately take the subway, take the train every day. It's important for me as a creative and as an entrepreneur yeah. to see what people are actually wearing. I think it's a wearing. big part of yeah. uh, inspiration. And I'm like, damn, these Vs are everywhere <laughs> now. So kudos to like breaking into the US market. Yeah, so uh, it started in 2015 and it's growing uh, today it's Veja after four, no, after five years now. Uh -huh. We're in 2020. After five years, it's Veja biggest market. America now. America, yeah. Wow. So from zero to number one. Yes. In less than five years. Yes. And uh, England is the second. China and France are the third. It's big in Asia too, right? In uh, China, Ch it's Japan. big. Uh, no, not big. Uh, we're still a small company, you know. In Japan? Japan, we didn't start yet. Really? I thought we I have a, no, but we have a few clients. I was just in Japan and I saw. Us at the, yeah, at maybe the right we, you saw some, but uh, we have a, a very few clients in Japan. Okay, we have maybe uh, ten clients, fifteen clients in Japan. Uh -huh. That's the plan for 2020, 2021. It's uh, Japan, and uh, so the thing is, yeah, America is the U.S. is the biggest market, and um, and we're developing with partners like Keith, like. Uh, Net Porte, uh, Mr. Porter, like uh, we not really uh, into California because uh, we are starting now mm -hmm. uh, California, but 
what changed also when we had problems in 2012 is we put the gas on our own web shop. Mm -hmm. To own your own destiny. Yes, yes. exactly. And the first, uh, one of the first city of the web shop is Los Angeles, uh, second New York. Oh. Uh, so we're delivering uh, quite a, a lot there mm -hmm. uh, in the US. Is the, uh, the online sales, if it were a country, like where would it be? Is, would it be bigger than America for your yes. Veja.com? Yes. Okay. Well, that worked. <laughs> yeah, that worked. But it's really um, a kind of a prehistoric website and it's very simple. <laughs> a prehistoric uh, website. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a, I'm kind of a geek and I, I love when it's simple. Uh -huh. and it goes fast when uh, you don't have a lot of hindrances uh, in the pages. So uh, it's a very simple website. Yeah. Have you seen the effect that your business has had on these farming families, these factory owners? Like, I assume you've been sort of sticking with the same crew in Brazil, right? Have you seen an effect on them? Of course. And that's... Are you a god to them? Like, do they bow no, down? No, 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 no. <laughs> do no, they no, throw rose petals at your no, feet when no, you go no, there? No, no, <laughs> no. Not at all. And if they would do, uh, we would uh, give them back because uh, we have a, a special position, uh, meaning uh, we are clients buy organic cotton, we buy wild rubber. We're not Jesus, we're not Buddha, we're not uh, Allah. It's really, we are clients. Mm -hmm. We are, okay, special clients. We work differently. We are on field with them. In the Northeast Brazil, there is now a team of three people of Veja working with the farmers. That live there now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, like the Valdenira, um, who is the maybe one of the best uh, organic cotton specialists today, she has been working with us for ten years, and um, and she's the daughter of um, an agriculture. Mm -hmm. uh, she has a crazy story, but it's too long. And she's uh, she's um, a role model. I think she's every day uh, with her moto, uh, with her um, uh, scooter thing, uh, like motorcycle, motorcycle on field with the farmers talking to them, um, giving them advices, taking one, putting him on, uh, on the land of another agriculture to help him, etc. She creates a network of agricultures. And really, yes, it had an impact. We had the question by a, a really intelligent journalist uh, last year, create something on the long run to see the impact, to level the impact that it had on their lives. You can see it uh, because at the beginning they didn't have water to drink. So you can see it, we can see it. Yeah. But to report it, to um, diffuse it is important. Same thing in Amazonia. Now we have access to satellites to see deforestation and um, the places we work with are protected because that was not our goal at the beginning, but it became uh, one of our goals. Yeah. What we do is we take rubber from the forest, mm -hmm. but this valorizes the forest standing. Uh, what was that word? Valorizes? It, ga it, it gives value, oh, economic oh, value. Okay. It adds value to it the forest. It yeah, adds yes. value to the forest. Uh, the zone we work uh, in are the most protected uh, of the region. Oh, I see. Because so it, it prevents the them from wanting to exactly. cut it down because it's exactly. making money. Exactly. Right. They make money through the forest, but through a standing forest. Mm -hmm. Because Amazonia, the, the problem of deforestation, for example, it's only money. Uh, people, they have no money, so they cut the tree, they sell the wood, they put cattle instead, and you have the... You have a very, a very simplified view on deforestation, but that's it. That's no, you're why. you're right. Yeah, 
It just comes down to like an individual person saying, I can make some more money if I just cut this down and put a cow here. Exactly. Times that by But that's millions. 70%. I think uh, I had the figure. It's 72% of deforestation. It's this. In the 80s, it was big corporations that were cutting wood. Yeah. Today, it's individual with no money. They go there. Because land is uh, unlimited, mm -hmm. there is no police, there is no nobody uh, yeah. is taking care of it, so they can cut, uh, set down their houses, and put cattle, and that's deforestation today. And that's what we not prevent, but we say instead of putting cattle, we work with the same guys mm -hmm. that deforest, and there is no good or bad yeah. again. Uh, we propose them. It's another option. Here. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, that's kind of like hacking the system of exactly. deforestation. Are proposing an economy, a new economic system, and I don't understand why big corporation doesn't don't do like this. Okay, it's a lot of work, a lot of field work. Uh, they're not accustomed to this. They prefer to to work for advert with advertising agencies for the next campaign. But it's so satisfying, so yeah. um, so uh, so much pleasure that uh, I don't understand why. And then um, to uh, finish what we established in 2004. For example, the logistics of Veja, it's made through an NGO of social inclusion, meaning uh, we work with um, an NGO that takes care of uh, girls and uh, guys, women and guys, that had problems with jail, drugs, alcohol, social, like mm -hmm. tough social problems. Mm -hmm. And um, instead of working with a, a logistic company, uh, typical, we work with them. So at the beginning it was like, I would say this room... Uh, uh, let's say uh, 30, 40 square meters. Yeah. Uh, today it's a huge, uh, it's a huge place with, yeah. uh, I would say 50, 60 people working on the Veja logistics. And, uh, from the beginning of Veja, I think 300 to 400 people found a new job, uh, found a new path in life from these areas of through stress. this NGO, yeah. through right. this NGO. So they're employing these people. They were employing these people, but putting them back on track uh -huh. uh, meaning they had no social security they had no uh, houses right. they had no they didn't pay their taxes etc all the administrative uh, administrative part of life they helped them that's not us huh? yeah we are we are but, clients yep yep <laughs> only but uh, they're doing your logistics I, uh, exactly and uh, that's so cool <laughs> and today uh, veja grew so um we uh keep working with them but they only do the online shop Mm -hmm. The worldwide online shop is shipped through this uh, this NGO, but it's kind of big now. Yeah, uh, out of Brazil. Yeah, it's still. fifty. Uh, no, no, it's uh, in France, but it's fifty. Oh, it's out of France. Okay. Yeah, fifty, sixty people are working uh, on the on the web shop. Wow, that's amazing. Do you ever think, as a business, like put your businessman hat on now, and you think about the future of Veja and the growth? Do you foresee a time where you might have to change your principles about brazil and like helping people or is that where you'll cap it like if it if it, if the business requires you to do something drastic like move production to asia or something like that is that where you'll say no i'm going to stick to my guns and and do it the way i want we don't we don't question ourselves like like this because um with um veja rising i think it gives us more opportunities to uh to create projects like this and i i heard you saying helping people we don't help people we are clients. Mm -hmm. It's not helping for us. Yeah. It's, we connect. Uh, it's not charity. No, it's not. Right. It's the, the opposite of charity. Correct. Uh, we connect incredible projects together, mm -hmm. like uh, 
um, organic cotton farmers like uh, rubber typers in Amazonia, yeah. like uh, the NGO of social inclusion in France. And this creates the road of a sneaker mm -hmm. or the production of a sneaker. Yeah. But it's not helping at all. For us, it's... Uh, no, no, at all. Right. It's um, balancing economic justice with um, environment uh, balance, with uh, social uh, balance. Mm -hmm. It's... For us, it's working normally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, respecting people, respecting uh, the environment, it's it's putting not it a back pledge. in balance. Yeah, it's not a pledge. It's action. It's field. It's uh, right. It's uh, living it. And uh, and for us, really, it became a game to do all that to create new projects. Like for for example, we're working on the recycling plants of sneakers. Not only Veja, all the sneakers. Okay. And uh, and for us. It became a game mm -hmm. to go further, you know, in the project, to go even, even, even further. Yeah. And today, with the success of Veja, with our independence, we can create even more projects, mm -hmm. even more balanced projects. Possibly outside of footwear? Mm, no, because we have still, a, I think we have still a road to, to make in footwear. We have uh, so many things to do. Uh, so many things to learn. Mm -hmm. I don't like obsessed, but we are, we are, um, we are really in love with the yeah. uh, with the sneakers. Yeah, yeah. Because you could apply the thinking to like everything. eyewear, t-shirts, whatever. Everything. Yeah, everything. Phones, uh, yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're you have a passion for footwear, so you'll stick. Yeah, to that for and now. Uh, that's uh, I think that's um, a product that is uh, that is amazing. That um, that you can uh, see, touch, feel. Uh, it's your relationship to earth. It's your relationship to the when you walk, when you run, etc. Yeah, it's a product like uh, it's very I democratic that, yeah, too. Like they, they doesn't exist a lot of products like this. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I want to bring up this topic of normal. It's kind of hard to explain, but sustainability and ecological impact is not a quote-unquote benefit to others in Sebastian's mind, nor is Veja's business helping people. Sebastian sees this as the only way to function. It's normal to him. Why aren't more companies like this? Why do companies that do have a healthy footprint pride themselves in the quote-unquote good that they do? Veja doesn't operate in that manner. They see the economic imbalance and just modeled their business after what they thought was the right way. Sebastian brings up a really important point here. The core of Veja's mission is about balancing economic justice. Even in the small wins, the milestones, and the major impact Veja has had, there is no self-praise from Sebastian. It's refreshing to see an entrepreneur this successful and at the same time this modest. In every step of Veja's model, there was always an ecological mindset intact from creation to logistics to distribution. No shortcuts to their business at all, just thorough transparency and consistency. But what I really love about Sebastian is that he doesn't treat those involved in his business as charity. Beyond the ecological standpoint of Veja, there was never an intent to fix or help, but rather, how can one create a logical system to make a product that is able to function on the grounds of benefiting the social ecosystem and all the people involved in it. Now, I know many of you, and maybe myself included, who would have figured this out and seen this as a huge life milestone. 
But I notice that Sebastian does not see it this way. Instead, he sees this just working normally, respecting people. This is what is supposed to be normal. And while Veja has been working this way for the past 15 years, it's important to realize that fashion's footprint in the environment has only been a topic of discussion in recent times. Sebastian's approach was not only ahead of its time, but also a realistic approach for our future. Now, I don't mean to get all crazy philosophical here, but let's face it, with the way the earth is going now, pandemics, sustainability, economic disparity, and more, these will be issues that all corporations and brands will have to face. Veja's approach is just a simple reminder of what's to come and how important it is in believing that a fair business model is what should be the new normal. Sebastian asks us the important question many of us need to ask ourselves. Is this the society that we want? You know, you, you mentioned the very nuanced thing where you said you don't want to help them. We're not helping. I know, you're not helping them. And I think a lot of people have this mentality, like if they walk into like a underprivileged factory, they're like, I'm here to help you. I'm going to solve all your problems. And that's not the way you did it. And I think that's very nuanced. Um, you know, recently I interviewed another entrepreneur. Uh, it's a woman named Aurora James who has a brand named Brother Veli's. And she's doing similar things with women's footwear in Africa. Oh, yeah. And she said, because we mentioned charity too, she said, charity is like the worst thing that could have happened to Africa. It's this idea that like, we're just going to throw, it's basically modified garbage collecting. Like we're just going to dump all our stuff, you know, to Africa. And then, but what that does is that it actually wipes out economies within the country. Yeah. The, our relationship to charity, uh, the relationship of, of, of our society to charity, I think has to change because uh, charity is good for me when you have a disaster, a tsunami, and when you have to allocate a lot of resources very urgently mm -hmm. into a specific place, right. then you need charity. Right. Because like Australia bushfire, let's exactly charity, yeah. Exactly. Let's uh, let's give um, like uh, uh, the government of America or France can give uh, uh, 30 uh, planes uh, mm -hmm. for Australia for one year, etc. Yeah. This is a kind of charity mm -hmm. or tsunami you need a lot of food a lot of tents a lot of uh, uh, medication Medicals, yeah. uh, in one place in one moment this is useful charity but on the long run mm -hmm. it doesn't work uh, why we all because uh, it's it's just simply doesn't work to help people when you help someone you put him in a domination relationship mm -hmm. A place uh, of need, like I need you now. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like the you, opposite of help is need. I now need you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, but creating uh, an economic uh, relationship, a balanced economic relationship, mm -hmm. is, uh, I think, is uh, necessary to capitalism today. Mm -hmm. um, the inequalities haven't been so huge today. The environment problems, environmental problems, I huge today yeah we see every day that uh, everything is unbalanced mm -hmm. that uh, people some people are lucky some people are uh, very poor and um, and i think capitalism could uh, could be not uh, it's not a communist uh, th uh, thinking but uh, um, we lack equality today 
we lack equality of chances, we lack equality of, uh, of revenues. When um, soccer players or NBA players are paid $30 million uh, a year, do they deserve all that money? Mm -hmm. And when a, um, a Chinese worker is paid $60 or $100 or $200 per month and live in slums, is it normal? Is it uh, the society? It's a fair, yeah. No, but uh, the qu the only question is: Is it the society we want? Mm -hmm. We said no to this. We said no to a to a society that uh, promotes communication, that promotes advertising. That's why we don't do advertising. We put all the resources. Like a, a Veja costs five times the price uh, of um, the the same sneaker that we would make we would make in a, in Asia yeah because it's made with ecological components because it's made in Brazil because of all the things we do wow five times five times but um, it it goes in the store at the same price as the all the brands we know um, because we don't do advertising we don't do one cent of of advertising right you don't have to pay a super top model or something no we don't want to pay uh, <laughs> NBA stars and they don't need us of yeah. course also but uh we prefer to allocate the resources into the production of the goods mm -hmm. into we prefer to pay well the organic cotton farmers the workers in brazil the the workers uh, at the warehouse etc so we prefer to pay them double triple mm -hmm. than to uh, pay for an advertising that is that became a nonsense today yeah. i yeah. think we are at the end of something uh, and um, that the system has gone too far, hiding the production, hiding how the goods are made, but paying Michael Jordan or uh, or uh, movie stars uh, George mm -hmm. Clooney to promote a good that is not made well. Yeah. And the only answer we found to this uh, system is Veja, mm -hmm. and it's our really humble answer. We don't. Uh, we're not changing the world. We're not. Uh, we're just proposing our small alternative, our, our small solution yeah. to uh, to this world, and that's uh, we're very lucky to uh, to uh, be able to do that. But um, I think it resonates in a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, today that yeah. are a bit fed up with uh, big brands, big advertising, big, 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 big. Mm -hmm. But where where, do, where are we going? What's the end? Yeah. Yeah. What's the end? Uh, we uh, we always think big, but then. Uh, uh, the people are suffering, the planet is suffering, and we're not happy. Mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, watching to Instagram uh, six hours per day. And, um, and then Netflix for six hours. And Netflix <laughs> for the, the last six hours yeah. we have. So, uh, yeah. yeah, for us, um, what we applied in Veja is what we want, we would like the world to be. Yeah. That's but you're, not, you're also just controlling what you can, just in your world. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're not trying to. No, preach. no, no. Yeah. Preach, preach. You know, we we are in a world where everybody says to the others what they have to think, what they have to buy, what yeah. they have to uh, to do. And uh, I'm not. I'm I'm thinking maybe if I think this, I can change myself first. Uh -huh. And then if I change myself, um, I can talk with you about what we did, and that's it. But. If you think uh, I'm wrong, etc., it's okay. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. Uh, I don't care. I, yeah. I don't have. We don't have to convince anybody. I think that uh, actions, that reality, is stronger than anything to prove a, a, a point or a, a theory or um, right. 
I that's that's my thoughts. Huh? Yeah, it's a really beautiful thing. Do you think along the way did you make any missteps? Would you have done it any way different? Or if you look back now on these fifteen years, this is the way. This is the only way it could have happened. Maybe during the first five, six, seven years of Asia, I was a bit angry because uh, you work like crazy, you try like crazy, you fail a lot of time. And nobody, uh, nobody cares. Nobody listens, etc. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel, I felt, it made me angry. Not against um, anybody, but maybe against myself. And I learned to um, to calm down. I learned. You know, I was exactly what I was describing. I was wanting to convince everybody. Oh. I was uh, trying to convince. And it stressed and I, you out, like was no, it but I thought it didn't work. I thought nobody is listening. Uh -huh, okay. I thought I, I realized that uh, the more you try to convince, the less people listen to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were into um, acting, not speaking, etc. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, I was trying to convince. Right. And when you stop trying to convince people, maybe that's when you start to be convincing. <laughs> they sh they pay attention. No, but like don't try to to convince. Don't try to force. Don't try to. Uh, um, to make people think like you think. Mm -hmm. It's a um, waste of time. Yeah, just show them. Act, uh, do actions, uh, concentrate to your own efforts. And maybe that was my uh, my way to happiness, to uh, or a more happy life. Uh, How did you switch? I don't know. There was not a moment. There it was a uh, maybe uh, putting um, a consistency between uh, my thoughts and my actions, you know? Uh -huh. And sometimes... You're in, in life, you're inconsistent. You think something, but you uh, you act the opposite. And uh, so uh, that was just, uh, I think, uh, getting uh, old. <laughs> I don't know. Wise. <laughs> I think I the, the theme of everything that you do is about finding balance. Yes. Whether it's in the world, in the marketplace, or even in your own personal life. Yes, I try. Uh, and it's, um, it's of course, um, a try because... Uh, you're not uh, you're not balanced, but yeah, it's uh, it's important for me to to come back at home at seven uh, in the evening to see my kids to uh, to um, to uh, take a lot of time with them. I try to take uh, some a uh, lot of holidays with them to uh, give them my time to transmit the most that I can because it's the start of everything. Huh? Yeah. And um, yes, it's about balance, but I think it's all also about time. Mm. Um, that's uh, how do you use your time? Is it good to have um, an unbalanced uh, schedule? That uh, is it good to make uh, twenty meetings a, a day, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe it's better to do uh, four or five and to see your kids and to be more happy the following day, etc. Right. Uh, yeah, time is a is a parameter that uh, I think we um, we all forgot mm -hmm. in our society. And that uh, we can try to uh, use uh, better. But right. I speak first for myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to end it. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to this inspiring episode with the founder of Veja, Sebastian Kopp. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, do us a favor and please leave a rating and comment to tell us what you think of the show. 
We now have almost 600 reviews and a stellar five-star rating. Thank you to all of those who have left the review. And in fact, because I'm kind of feeling myself, I'm going to read one of these reviews right now. This one comes from R. Palmares from May 11th. He said, if only this podcast would have been around during my high school years. As an art teacher and practicing artist, I find this podcast to be a source of inspiration and motivation. As the saying goes, real recognize real, and Jeff Staple curates the show as if it were a new design project, well thought out, engaging, and professional. Thank you so much, R. Palmares. That was really, really touching. And also, if you have any friends that are interested in fashion or footwear, tell them about this episode. I think they're going to be into it. We occasionally answer listener questions on the show, so if you have a question, shoot it over to me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Jeff Staple. Our associate producer is Christina Hong. Photography for this episode was captured by Ali Imam. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. This episode was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic at the Staple headquarters in New York City. The interludes were recorded during the stay in shelter policies to combat the spread of corona. And so we do apologize for any subpar audio. We're doing the best we can to continue to bring you the stories that inspire. Thanks again for listening. I'm Jeff Staple, and this is the Business of Hype on Hypebeast Radio. Hypebeast.